<laughs> He's on TV. I'm with Kurt and Derek. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't subscribe? You need to subscribe. Yeah. Yes, we are we are podcasting. Interesting. That's yeah. so what do you what do you not do that in the Hamptons? <laughs> <laughs> wow. She's just like you, Dave. You guys are so bougie up there. Yeah, we really are. All right, well we gotta get back to work. We're trying to make some okay. money. <laughs> Love you. I said so sarcastic. Hey, you're out of the will. Just saying. You still a little bit of sarcasm, still right, <laughs> right there, right there. I Love you. Love you too. Bye. Bye. Hey everybody, welcome to episode two of Bourbon Boys. I'm here with my good buddies Alton. Good to see you, bro. Derek. Welcome back. And we decided to invite Kurt back for another round. Hey, thanks. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to uh, spending some time here just chatting and uh, also covering a couple of new uh, bourbons that we've not talked about yet. So, uh, we're going to taste 1792 Full Proof Edition, uh, Clyde May, and then Blade and Bow. Sounds good. Sounds that's great. A, that's a good yeah. lineup. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Uh, as you know, Bourbon Boys is a place where guys get together and talk about bourbon, talk about life, um, and all the four or five Ps that come along with it. So, I think we're up to like 18 Ps. I'm keeping track. <laughs> it's going to be a track. big T-shirt. It will be a big T-shirt. Yep. All right. So our first one up tonight is, uh, Kurt, you want to take the first one? 1792? Sure. All right. So, um, so this is kind of a funny story, as you guys know, because I thought this was really special because I brought it back with me on a trip I was on when, in fact, we had already had it. Although, although they're different. So this is the foolproof. I think the other one that we had was, I don't know exactly what it was, but I know it had a different band on it, so it had to be different. So I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna go with that. Okay. It's kind of like <laughs> I, I had pick, a goal. I pick my wine, right? It's whatever the label looks like. I'm like, that looks good. So. I remember um, you were pretty excited about it. I think that the, the text flurry that came around was like, you know, hey, have you had, tried the 1792? And the yeah. joke was, yes, we did last week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think you day. brought it. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> you so. now own two. So that must just be That's the age okay. thing. That's all right. But it's a cool story. I mean, I think, so it was um, officially, I think, well, it, I don't know if it was started, but it was um, John D. Willett, I think his name is, he, uh, was a bourbon aristocrat as they called him. And, um, in 1876, he actually transferred the ownership of it over to, um, Willett and Frankie Dillis distillery, um, to his son-in-laws. So they ran it together probably for about five years. And then one of the son-in-laws sold out and the other actually ran it for five more decades until they actually had to close their doors because of prohibition. Dang. Yeah. And um, so what's interesting about it, though, is that the distillery today, the 1972 Barton Distillery or Barton 1792 Distillery, actually operates on the exact same site that they were on when they actually closed their doors because of prohibition. Hmm. So a really long history, which I think is pretty cool. Um, And of course, you know, they go into some of the details on how they make it, but... 
Um, the single barrel, which is what this is, and the foolproof actually is made from mash. They say of 75% corn, 15% rye, and 10% barley. So, so it's going to be on the sweeter side. It probably. is going to be on the sweeter mm-hmm. side. At least that's what they say. So, um, so they're saying it adds some notes of butterscotch. It has kind of this roasted nuts um, hint to it, as well as uh, they they call it kind of a more complex full-bodied whiskey. And I probably would agree with that. I think it's one of those where you have to taste it three times, like we talked about last week. Um, but after the grains are harvested, um, they're mashed, fermented before they actually are distilled in co- in a copper pot still. So it starts in a copper pot still, and then they actually transfer it to the barrels. Okay. Um, and it actually distills for eight years. So actually, the foolproof actually distills for about eight and a half years. Uh-huh. So um, so it has a little bit of a sweetness to it. Um, the palate has a little bit of caramel to it. There is a hint of vanilla, so maybe that's why I like it, because I seem to like every bourbon that has <laughs> vanilla in it, so I don't know if that's a trend. Um, but it does have a little bit of a bite to it because of the rye. Yep. And um, so what I'm curious about is that if it sits for a bit, like, will that, you know, settle so there's not as much of? So Give it a shot. Um they have done some other foolproof editions, um, which have sold extremely well. Uh, so obviously they're hoping that this one this one does the same. But um, like I said, this one was aged for about eight and a half years. And um, it has a really pleasant, sweet taste to it. But again, it has a little bit of a nip to it due to the rye. So. Yeah, the uncorks, the un- I mean, it smells, it smells really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. Right. And what'd you say was the rye percent in it? Uh, the rye is, I think, 15%. 15. Yeah, okay. it's about 15, 10% barley, and the remaining is corn. Okay. So. All right, let's give it a shot. Give it a shot. The judges say. That's pretty. That's, that's, that's really good. good. Very yeah. smooth. It's good. Very smooth. First sip, good. You can definitely taste it. I think it's. I'm taking mine with. A, with uh, so I let it sit a little bit. One rock. Yeah, sec- I, that that second sip is um, it's warm. It's got mm-hmm. a, it's a, it's got a good sweet. Mm-hmm. It's not sicky sweet. I I don't get the heavy sweet Mm-mm. vanilla like Mm-mm. maybe in a TX. Um, but I definitely get that clean clean vanilla finish. It's got a little bite at the end. Yeah, I like it. All right, not bad, not bad. What does this go for per bottle? I think the Full proof is around forty five bucks. That's not bad. Yep. I was so excited about it, I didn't even look at the price. <laughs> I think you're excited. <laughs> I could have paid a hundred dollars for yeah. this and not even known it. I think you're excited about the smuggling challenge. <laughs> I think the smuggling challenge is the best part, right? Yeah. I had to go to FedEx and get a bag and bubble wrap to put this thing in my check in bag. So uh, yeah. I've done that once. That's not gonna work out so well at some point, but mm. <laughs> if, you wrap, if you wrap it good. Yeah. So I like it. The funny All part right. was, is I kept going inside the FedEx store and saying, do you have more bubble wrap? And I kept going out to my car to wrap it in the trunk. So I'm sure he was wondering what the yeah. hell I had in my trunk. So. <laughs> I love it. So, yeah, it was good. All right. Not bad. I like it. It's a good start. Yeah. Good start. When did you first have this? Was it, did you have it outside of uh, Bourbon Boys? No. 
Okay. No. So just on so the list was, of Yeah, well it wasn't really on the list, but I was so I was in Wisconsin actually and Total Wine there actually sells bourbon, which yep. they don't here. And um they had a whole bunch of different bourbons there. Of course, this one obviously is not different, i.e. we had it already. But the foolproof we'd have never had. But I think the, um, yeah, so I bought it up there on a business trip. And um, it was probably back in February, March. Yeah. If I but remember correctly, that, that first one was good, too. Yeah, the uh, first one I was about to say, it had, I think it had a gold band on it. It did. To your point. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't a big fan at first, but by the time I got about a third of the way through the bottle, it was really starting to, to resonate with me. Not Anything the, tastes <laughs> good after the third. Yeah. The actually, third that, was, that was actually two settings. Yeah, so you can ask me that about that one. Exactly. So. Yeah. I like it. All right. Well, that takes us into our first commercial break. Commercial break. There we go. All right. So we're back from the break. Uh, we just tried the 1792. Um, special edition, full, what was it, full, full strength? Full proof. Full, full proof. proof. Yeah. Full proof. <laughs> yeah. Not full proof, yeah. full proof. Yeah. And uh, we're up to the next one. Next one we have on the, the slate is? It's going to be Clyde Mays. And uh, as we look at these two bottles, talk about a contrast in style. Uh, the 1792s of more, I guess, modern look. Yeah, does feel it. A little it. more uh, decorated where you got Clyde May, very nostalgic. Uh, bottle shape um, and the label, uh, very very much a throwback, which is what actually drew me to that uh, originally. Yeah, it's, it's almost, got a good look. It's almost identical to TX, actually. Yeah, the shape of the bottle. Yep. The shape of the bottle. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then the 1792 has got maybe more of a, a cognac shaped bottle. It's a little yeah. fancier French. Yeah, kind of crown royalish. Yep. Perfume. I like it that too of a perfume bottle. Yeah, yeah it does. It's a scaled up. That would be a very a expensive. Very <laughs> Very expensive perfume. <laughs> or very cheap. BFPB. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Clyde May. So, so what do you got? What do so you learn? Clyde May, uh, this is, like I said, it's a uh, pretty nostalgic-looking bottle, nice label. Um, this is the second time I've had it. Uh, a friend of mine uh, actually gave me both bottles, or different friends gave me the two bottles. So I, this one is a, a gift, so I always appreciate that. As do we. Gifts As taste we. better. Gifts taste better. They do, especially right? right? Good, especially especially if there's somebody guy. else's <laughs> gifts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Especially from a good guy. But uh, so, Clyde May, um, this is the straight bourbon whiskey. Uh, a lot of folks that I started talking to, I wasn't familiar with it before, but who are familiar with it, um, he's got uh, under this label an Alabama kind of original that is a, I think it's just a whiskey, not a bourbon. Uh, with more of an apple flavor that I think is where he really uh, got his foothold okay. in the mm-hmm. business. But uh, interesting backstory. So Clyde May uh, was an actual person. He was born in the 1920s, around 1922, I believe. Uh, grew up in the Depression era, uh, went off to the war in, in 1942. Uh, I think around 46, he was injured and discharged, came back, uh, I think, to Alabama uh, to run the family farm. Uh, he was a... I guess an average farmer at best, never mastered that, but apparently he was really damn good at making spirits. <laughs> so, so that is a talent. That is a talent, and we're thankful that he did. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so he stayed on the edge of the law uh, with that. So very, That's true. yeah, very much so. Uh, one of the things I read said between 1950 and 1980, they estimated he would put out about 300 gallons a week. Dang, holy crap. That's a lot of. Dang. So. 
That's yeah. a lot of fake farming. That's a lot of fake farming. So it got him in trouble a couple of times. He did a little it's bit. It's like of, cleaning money. Uh, yeah, well, in 73, he actually ended up doing about eight months um, oh. of time. Okay. Uh, so he, he was good at running. He wasn't great at it, apparently. <laughs> uh, so Got slower. He got slower. Got caught. Uh, but when he passed away in, in 1990, his son, kind of as a tribute to him, pursued uh, starting to legally bottle. Um, what his dad had, had created. So in awesome. 1990, I love that. That is awesome. <laughs> I know, that's, that seems like yesterday. It's like safe, it? so, yeah. safe enough distance. Exactly. Yeah, yeah one of their uh, lines I read was, uh, distilled since 1946, legal since 2001. That's so, <laughs> okay. That is great. I wonder if he paid taxes. <laughs> better, late, great. better late than never. Yes, very, admit nothing. Yeah, mm. it's, it's really good. I like it. It's very smooth. Um, the mash on it's 78% corn, 12% mm. rye, and 10% barley. All right, so, so that should that should be even sweeter, perhaps, yeah. than uh, the 1792. Yeah. The mm. other thing they called out, which I thought <clears> was interesting, and you can kind of taste it, um, is it, they call out that they're it's stored in heavily charred barrels. So you mm. okay. charred inside of the barrels. Just apparently they go a little longer with that, so it'll probably get a little more richness, a little more uh, yeah. woody. Out okay. Of it. Which, in contrast to this, these are actually, these go into brand new barrels. The 1792? Yeah, the 1792 does. Yeah, sorry, I'm pointing to this, but nobody knows what I'm pointing <laughs> yeah, we to. We can see it. <laughs> we got you, Kurt. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So let's give it a try. Yeah. I mean, again, it's average farmer, hell of a spirit maker, so thank God he stayed But back. I always think about, so let me see that bottle for a second, Derek. Not a very loud uncork. It's not. You <laughs> yeah. need to pull it up. There you go. <laughs> All right, here we go. So every time you say the name. Clyde May. Yeah. So who was, it's like a Western, not a thief, but a. Yeah, Bonnie and Clyde. Bonnie and Clyde. That's what I think <laughs> okay. about. Every right. time, every time I hear the name of this stuff, I think of Bonnie and Clyde. Clyde May. Yeah, it does. It does have like a, a sweet smell to it. Yeah. So, do you think that's him on the bottle? That's him. That's There's so cool. Several pictures of him on the website. In his prison grays. No, by the mailbox. <laughs> Waiting for the check. <laughs> yep. So where are they? So it's in Alabama. Yeah. Uh, it is. It, uh, that's a good okay. point, though. It's actually distilled in Kentucky and bottled in Florida. So okay. the Alabama roots only got them so far. Just roots. Yep, just roots. Okay. So maybe is that where it started? Was crafted in Alabama? Yes. I love the nostalgic pictures on it. Yeah. I do want to try the straight Alabama, uh, the Alabama style. So as What do you think? Not bad. First sip, uh, it's got a little burn to it. You know, for surprise, for having less rye in it, I think it's got more. At least on my palate, taste I get a little bit more burn than the seventeen ninety two. Really, definitely sweet, warms it up. <clears throat> um, I I'm I'm waiting for that charred. Yeah, I'm not getting a whole lot of the 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 char. I don't know what I get for flavors. What do you taste, Kurt? I'm definitely picking up on the. The barrel. You get right. I am. This doesn't, for me, this doesn't have as much bite to it. So if I just hold it on my tongue for a bit, like I can feel the 1792. Like it's almost like yeah. my tongue's getting cold from, it's not, right? Yep. yep. And I don't, this feels a lot more, um, uh, how do I want to describe it? Like it's got a thickness to it almost. Like there's a, 
It's pretty smooth. It is really mm. smooth. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's a better way to describe yeah. it. Yeah. But it's about a I think a say $35, dollar bottle. So it's not a bad mm, bottle. It's, bad. it's out bad. of the mainstream, yeah. so it's a good conversation starter. Um, yep. A, a little less uh, available in this area. Uh, the guy who gave it to me is uh, down in Charlotte. I think went down in South Carolina and picked that up. Okay. Ninety-two good, good proof. One to add to the. Uh, it's good. Yeah. Add to the uh, cabinet. So you mentioned the list before. Mm. Uh, we started the list, not the uh, of the. Remember the wish list of bourbons to try to look for. Yep. So we need to update that and make that available on our on the website. Yeah, no, that's a good call. Yeah. No, that's a good call. And yeah. if anyone wants to contribute to helping us achieve the list, yes, send it in. Or yeah, at least totally. pull out some new sure. new stuff for us to yeah. try. Yep. Happy to try more. I like the saying on here: "Say what you be, be what you say." Keeping it simple. Keeping it simple. Keeping it real. Here's to Clyde. Here's to Clyde. I like it. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> I'm glad Clyde uh, chose not to be a farmer. Yes. Yeah, and, this turned uh, out much better for us. Yep. Uh, followed, followed his passion, I would say. Yeah. Seemed to be pretty good at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder how much of that, honestly, was driven by what he really enjoyed versus what he was good at. Yeah. Mm. And I got to think at that time... And, and, and that, I mean, think about Great Depression, mm-hmm. Dust Bowl, farming, you know, um, that was probably not an easy conversation to have with the parent folks. If he had it at all. If he had it at all. <laughs> I'll, be, true. I'll be on the back sure. 40 today. <laughs> yes. I'll take the far away acres. I'm going to go pick the corn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, think of, think of having to make that decision to say, I'm really good at something that perhaps you didn't want me to be. Yeah. And uh, I think we all want that for our kids too, which is, you know, do what you're excited about. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and um, it may not be the path that you, you would have thought of. Um, I don't know, Dave, what do, you, what do you think, David? You guys ever, um, I don't know, I, I, this goes way back. Um, conversation I had with my father when I was um, finished undergrad and um, massive recession. I seem to be lucky enough to graduate um, from any kind of education right in the middle of a recession. But, um, you know, I I was finished school. My my wife at that time, my girlfriend, was living in Boston. And, um, I was like, wife at that time? What's, yeah. what's this all about? <laughs> my wife now, we do my need Sarah. at that time. Yeah. <laughs> but Sarah was um, in Boston, Berkeley College of Music. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I was staying at home, couldn't find a job. Um, believe it or not, I actually had money in the bank and went to my dad and was like, hey, you know, Sarah really wants me to move to Boston. And um, he said, well, what are you going to do? It's like, well, the, the North Bennett Street School is oh, up there. Oh, yeah. And um, North Bennett Street School is a, a fine woodworking, instrument making, book binding school, like old, old, old master trade kind of stuff. And, um, you know, at that point I was doing a lot of woodworking. And my dad, you know, was like, well, you know, Dave Rue, that's a great um, vocation, but it certainly isn't an occupation. And um, mm. that stuck with me for a long time, you know, and it's one of those things you mentioned the um, decisions you make 10 years back are very different than the ones that you do now. And so, you know, Sarah and I often talk about what would have happened if I had just told dad, forget it, I'm going to go, I'm going to follow my passion, right? Yeah. No kids, no wife, just a girlfriend. 10 years ago? Well, no, it was much more than that. But mm, okay. Anyways, just checking. you know, I, 
would have gone up there, she would have finished at Berkeley. I probably would have finished at North Bennett Street. And then mm. who knows where we would have been. Mm. And so I always go back and kind of replay that in my head. Um, and I took a left instead of a right. And I sometimes mm. wonder, you know, it's like yeah. we're wired certain ways. And for me, um, you know, I'm, I'm wired to work with my hands. Yeah. And uh, yeah. that's not what I do to put food on the table. Mm. And often um, what I do to put food on the table, um, I'm so damn tired by the weekend comes on that I don't do what you what are I super was passionate wired about. to do. We and, have a and fifth work with my hands. So anyways, Poop, I mean, I do. Pooped? Passion. No. Poop, <laughs> pooped. Seriously, people. Passion. Yeah. Passion. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I mean, that is one thing that... Um, you know, as you get older and you start, Lord knows, talking about retirement, you know, and mm. it, for me, it's always that struggle. I don't want to wait until then to have the time mm-hmm. to be able to do what I truly love doing. Um, and apparently years ago, I didn't have the balls to stand up and say, you know what, I am going to go after this and do something that I feel like I was truly wired mm-hmm. to professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, right. You know, but again, you make the choices you make. And so, so one of the things that's been liberating about the changes that sometimes are forced upon us is you get more than one shot at that. Yeah. Yeah. That played out the way it did at that time. Right. But, you know, again, as we contemplate the turns in our life, the choices we made, sometimes we get another shot at it. Yeah. And so it's, it's, you know, one of the things again, that I've like bouncing off you guys or sharing from my experiences is, you know, there's, Good perspective, right. and I keep saying perspective, but nobody offers to make that a P. But I'm not, <laughs> can make that. I'm, a P. I'm, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. I think we're gonna have a T-shirt pretty soon with all the P words. Yeah, all the P words, yeah. right? Oh, just but, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's just one of the you know the things in, in this storyline is that perspective of you know change is not as scary as it right as it once felt like it was. Right. I think I think there's truth to that, right? I mean, I think the. It, we probably can all relate to this in some some degree. Um, you know, I worked since I was 16, you know. When I stepped out and took that break, right, it was, that was really uncomfortable. Yeah. But I think, you know, you learn that. I think the greatest thing that I learned, right, in this last two years, year and a half, is that everything works out, right? It, yeah. Y- it really does. Everything works out. Yeah. So. Well, we're trained from that point when you are 16, and working that the next step has always got to be up. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's yeah. how we are wired. That's how we're educated. And there's yep. nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But at some point is awesome to get the opportunity to, to be step aside, step aside, whether it's your mm-hmm. choice or others and say, right. Oh, wow. That's, there's other ways to do this. There's other mm-hmm. things that matter. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, there was a, um, I'll have to look up the name of the book, but it may have been the book fish. Okay. It's like P-H. A yeah. <laughs> Not pH. Another yet. P word. Could be. No. It's, it's I think actually. it was I think it was just just the word fish, but I'll have to check it out. And uh the story about an executive who goes into and I found this, I was in a um a I've job you've read it? I've mm-hmm. been, and tell me if this is the right book. I was going for a job interview, had been recently laid off, uh two weeks before Christmas, two thousand and eight. So bottom of the bottom. Merry Christmas, Derek. Yep. Uh, and I was in a job interview shortly after that, 
and I, in the waiting room, flipping through a bunch of business magazines and came across this article and it was the story of the woman, I believe in the book. Mm. And if this is the right book, let me know. Okay. The story goes that she was in the fish market in Seattle and there was a saying, she, she was watching the, the fish market early in the morning and she was watching the teams at throw Pikes. the... It was at Pikes, 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 Mar- Pikes yeah. Place Market, yeah. And she's watching the, the salmon being thrown around. Yep. And, th- and they're just winging these 30, 40 pound mm-hmm. fish over each other from stall to stall. And there was a, a, um, a sign above one of the booths and it said, if, if failing was impossible, what would you do? And that stuck with me, which is, if, what are the reasons why you're afraid to do something? And mm. when she went up to that booth, she, she went back a few mornings in a row, and, and she was like, I'm really struck by this mm. sign. And the guy said, yeah, it's, it, it, this is what I want to do. I wanted to do this, and I was, I, I was on a different path, and, but, but my passion wasn't there, and this is really what I wanted to do. So we asked her, and, and she was stumped. She didn't know. Um, if, if failure wasn't possible, because that tends to be the reason why you don't do it. It's like, mm-hmm. I'll probably fail. I'll either fail to provide for the family. I'll fail to, <laughs> fail to get a job. I'll fail to be good at it, whatever it is. So when, when posed with that, if failure is impossible, what would you do? It was a completely liberating mm-hmm. idea. Absolutely. Fail. Or fear. Yeah. No, which one is it? Fail. I think it's the fear of failing, the possibility of failing. Okay. Yep. And and it took her a couple times of coming back to that sign to really realize how much she was limiting herself because of what she thought she would fail at. Mm. And so when you think mm. about it, when when if if you could take take the possibility of failure off the table, what would you do? And it just, it, it got me now. I end up doing exactly the same thing I was doing before mm-hmm. and went for the same type of a job. So it didn't change my path. Mm. But it got me to think differently of, of am, I, am I limiting myself on the things that I'm, I'm afraid to do because I would fail? So what would it be? Hmm. I don't know if I know yet. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know if I know yet. I think I'm still discovering what it could be. Well, that's probably what makes you an interesting human. Yeah. I mean, I think people that, <clears throat> end up deciding this is what I'm going to be forever and ever and ever. I don't know. I um, sometimes don't find those folks to be terribly interesting because there's no discovery, there's no exploration, there's no adventure. It's just kind of like this is what I do. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, I agree. But, I mean, I think do you – I feel like we are trained – going back to, I think, something like you were saying, Elton, right? We're trained to – or programmed that we should know. Right, so it's kind mm-hmm. of the oh, yeah. it's kind of the imposter syndrome, right? Where you're like, when are they going to figure out that I don't know what the hell I'm doing? Mm. And so, I think that instills a little bit of that fear, right, or that fear of failure. Um, because I think you know, we are kind of groomed to always look and appear as though we actually have our shit together, mm. right? Think about it, right? Yeah. We're all we're new roles, right? You yeah. know, new roles. You're going through some transition and into a new role eventually. And I mean, I think it's the same. I mean, I think that's what I took from this last experience that I just had. That where I'm at now, it's like, okay, if I fail, I fail. And I think mm-hmm. it's it's the going back to what you were talking about. Is it the if failure was off the table, 
Or is it more about getting comfortable with failure and that failure is okay? Um, good question. I think that, I think that they are two, those are two very different questions. And I think it depends on the person and where they are, right? I, I would agree. I guess my challenge to that would be is does it matter who the person is and is that how it should be? Well, I mean, it, it, it likely depends on how much they have to lose. So, so put it in the put it in the framework of your kids, who we all want better for than us. Is it about wanting them to not be afraid of failure? I want my kids to be comfortable trying anything that's safe anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you don't get you don't get dinged in life for failing. You miss out when you don't try things, right? Right. Yep. So. Yeah. Um, so this week I'm, I'm going for blade and bow. So I came across blade and bow in the garden and gun, uh, magazine, which I started subscribing to when we moved down here is recommended as a good way to get to know the, uh, the South, the South and culture and recipes. And, and I saw this ad for blade and bow and it was a pretty decent article around it. And, um, <clears throat> Interestingly, this is a, a brand that's been around a couple times. So it was um, started in 1935, and ran its, ran its course was sold. Uh, Guinness owned it back in the early, late 80s, early 90s. Really? Yep. And then it went away. And uh, from what I can see, the um, Stitzel Weller is the... Um, original distillery, they're still around as a location, so they they barrel it there, but it's 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 produced somewhere else. And um, the a little bit background on on Stitzel Weller um, is that was the, where the original Pappy was produced. Nice. So the original producer of Pappy was Stitzel. In um, uh, 95, I believe, Diageo purchased mm. Blade and & Bow and uh, kind of removed it from the being distilled in um, Stitzel Weller. And now they're, they're kind of distilling it a few other places. They'll barrel it and, and, and you know, let it, let it sit in, um, in Stitzel. But, um, you know, uh, it's, it's unknown, and they won't, Diageo won't let you know. They won't, they won't release where they distill it or what the mix is. So while tonight we went through and talked about all the different um, mixes of corn and rye and barley uh, in the mash, this one is, is not released. Um, they do have two types. They have um, this uh, straight whiskey we have here, the straight bourbon. And then they have a 22-year, which is interesting because it's only been around since 2015 and its latest generation. So I'm not, no one's really quite sure how they pull off a six year, never mind a 22. I'm no mathematician. <laughs> Unless there is some <laughs> dog years. Um, but it, it's interesting. What, what they do is there's this process which uh, I just learned about. Um, it is uh, a way that, that they're able to, to keep some of the original. Um, the last remaining bits of the Stitzel Weller Distillery, um, they use this, uh, it's called a Solera aging process. And how it works is they, they essentially stack barrels in a pyramid. And as they pour more of the new batch 
into the barrels, some of the old batch pours down to the barrels below. So it's a, it's a network and a series of barrels. So you mm. always have some remaining bit of, of the original. The original. So I believe Diageo came in and bought whatever barrels were left of the original Stitzel Weller and um, you know, set up this process so that any new distilling that's happening, they're, they're pouring new batch into old batch. Hmm. And, and what it does, it, it just continues to trickle down. So your top barrel feeds the second row, the second row feeds the third all the way down um, and, until you hit the last barrel. And, that, and that's when they start taking... Um, you know, the, the, the bottling is off of the bottom barrels. Do you know how many high they stack that? I don't know. I don't this know. This would be fascinating to well, see. I, 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 yeah, I would love to see it and see if it's if it's right. operationally. And it's in Louisiana, visible. you said? Where they t- it is in uh, Louisville. Louisville. Oh, Louisville. Yep. When they said Louisiana, I was I like, that's probably, interesting. I could, I could have said that. It's in Louisville. Okay. Louisville. And um, what's what's neat is this this idea, that it's also called fraction blending. So if you think about it, you're just constantly not watering it down, but adding and diluting the original barrel with new. Mm. So I guess it's everything is mixed. It's a yeah. continuous mix. Um, so they've got a 22-year, and then, then the one that we're going to taste tonight is a six-year. 22 is very hard to find. Okay. Um, you know, so they've, they've created this cachet behind it. And the name uh, Blade & Bow comes from the, the naming structure the, uh, of, of a key. So, originally on Stitzel Weller, um, in, in the distillery itself, they had five keys. Mm-hmm. And those five keys they left <clears> hanging <throat> on the door. So, any employee could grab a key and, and open any of the, the five different um, um, rooms. The shaft of a key and the kind of the, the working end, the smart end, is called the blade. And then the handle mm. is the bow. And it's more of the decorative piece. And they say that the, the legend is that the five keys represent uh, the five steps to crafting bourbon. Grains, yeast, fermentation, distillation, and aging. Hmm. The bottle is a six-sided bottle. Five sides are those, uh, and you can see it, Kurt, if you, if you look at yep. the sides. Each on key bottom, is represented yeah. on the bottom yep. of the bottle, talking yeah. about the five yeah. uh, stages of the process. And the sixth side is, is left for labeling. Uh, so it's an interesting story about that, and and they do have a club that if you collect all five keys, or there are five different keys, and I know that you brought a bottle. Oh, I did bring a bottle. You want to grab that and we'll see? Sure. But if you collect all five keys, and you um, are able to prove that you you know have all five keys, they will send you a commemorative token of their appreciation. I don't know if it's a bottle of the of the, the twenty two year or not. Ooh. We have two different we keys. We have two different keys? Fantastic. We We're 40% of the way there. I like it. <laughs> Making Road progress. Trip. You yeah. are a mathematician. <laughs> yeah. Making progress. Um, so this is a, this is a really interesting um, uh, interesting story here. It's, it's a lot of you know, legacy, and it's a, they say it's a tribute to the original um, uh, Stitzer-Weller distillery even though it's not as, as functioning as it used to be. It's available for tours, so you can tour mm. it. Um, and they do have a small still um, in, on, on site to do maybe mm. some custom uh, craft um, uh, blends. But cool. Yeah, it's, it's pretty neat. So let's, um, let's try it. Let's try it. They're really committed to the five-key theme. Yeah. 
So from a branding perspective, you got to love the consistency. Got to love right? it, yeah. Well, either that or they just spun a hell of a story about it. Well, whatever works, right? All right, my, my first. I know I like is, this one because I have a proof of it on my forehead. So oh, is this one? Okay. This, this was the one. Yeah, this, this the one was the one. Yeah. Is it, is it the shape of a key? The scar. Hey, I could cool. go with that. Would that not be cool? Uh, we could fix that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's <laughs> Just not. Just had a couple notches. Let's not. Um, again, it's another smooth. We don't know what the blend is. They they won't. Diageo hasn't revealed what the uh, the blend of of uh, corn to to rye to barley is, but. I would say it's probably high on the corn. It's got a good, sweet, smooth taste to it. Mm -hmm. um, I'm getting a little less of the bite than I got in Clyde May. In Clyde May. It's funny. I think it had more bite than Clyde May. A little mm -hmm. bit less okay. than the 1792. Really? I, would put the, I would have guessed the rye level is similar to the 1792. Hmm. Hmm. You have a sensitive tongue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sensitive all around. <laughs> um, but I like it. I, I think that this would be a good... Um, it, I, it's it's a it's a good tasting bourbon. It's got a great story. If you're you know waxing nostalgia or want yeah. to, uh, I guess impress anyone with the the dangling charm of a key on a. Bottle. I love the key idea. I mean, I um, think that's pretty cool. It is pretty unique. Yeah. Uh, I'm I don't remember buying when I bought this if the if the key was sealed to the side of the bottle, meaning. I don't think it is. I don't. Yeah, I don't think it is because the bottle that I got, I got as a gift. Okay. And I remember the bottle being like this down around the neck of the. So if you can, if you went in and, and you were comparing keys, you could certainly seek out the other. You could seek three out. Keys. I'm going to okay. guess that one of them is really hard to find. Probably. Probably. <clears throat> what are your thoughts, Alton? Well, now we have a mission. Definitely uh, a little more bite for me. Um, not as smooth, sits heavy on the tongue and lingers a little more than I generally prefer. So of the three, this is probably uh, lower on the list for me tonight. So. Okay. I can tell you after about five of these, it gets yeah. really good. Well, I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> five of most things. Really five of do. most things gets yeah. really good. Yeah. Well, I mean, Kurt, what do you think? Similar to the 1792 me, or closer to the Clyde Yeah, May for you? me, it sits kind of in between. Like, yeah. I think Clyde Mays was probably the smoothest for me tonight. Okay. Um, I feel like the 1792 actually had a little bit more of a bite for me <laughs> than the Blade and Bow. Okay. Um. But I'm a fan of Blade and Bow. So yeah. Yeah. I may be a little partial. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Do you know what it is, a bottle? I want to say it's around <clears throat> 40, 45, if okay. my memory serves. Does okay. that feel? It seems about right. About right I don't to know you? if I've ever actually bought it, but I've seen it. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. But I, I think it's in that range. It, it wasn't, it was, <clears throat> it was just, just price enough for you to hope that it's a really good bourbon. Yeah. It wasn't cheap enough that you just walk right past it and think that it was just a marketing scheme uh, with a key. Uh, it had a pretty good, uh, a lot of good write-ups too. It's actually about fifty-four bucks. Is it fifty-six? Okay, all right. So it's um, mm -hmm. it's up there. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's up there. And yeah, this I, one's a good uh, for that. Um, <clears throat> it's a good gift. I mean, you said you got it as a gift, but uh, like for my nephew, yeah, who likes. 
bourbon. This was a good choice. Uh, cool name, like you said, a little bit unique with the uh, ornament with it. Yep. Um, so definitely a good gift. Middle price point, mid fifties. Yep. Yeah. Not bad. I can't say mine was really a gift. It was more I was at a friend's place and they're like, hey, we got this like bottle of bourbon. I don't know what it is, but if you want it, I know you like bourbon. Fine. I'm like, sure, I'll take it. <laughs> okay. Again. <laughs> it doesn't mean you have to drink five glasses for five I know. I know. It was just one of those nights. In one night. Yeah. All right. Well, five keys is interesting because it rhymes with five P's. And I think that we're up to five P's. Dave, you've been... Keeping track of all this, are, we're, are we are we at five P so far uh, in keeping with the five keys? Like what what where were they? I've I can think of a few of them, but um, remind us what they are: personal, professional, and parenting. Parenting. Why 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 do we why would we blow parenting up into family? Because we want to do three P's. <laughs> oh dear God. <laughs> So that's a, a P word for pam- for family. That'd be a great T-shirt. It's family. It's P H. Give me the keys. P H. That's right. Family. P H. There you go. That's what it is. That's what it is. Can we spell it with an I on the end versus Y? However the hell you want to spell it, Kurt. Thank you. It is all about you. Thank you. All right. I just think you know. I mean, yes, parenting is very important, but also you know, families and spouses and parents and siblings and all that stuff too. It's good dialogue and conversation and support. I, know, I agree. And support for all that stuff, too. I agree. Yeah. I mean, so. I, I feel like some of that's personal, but um, could be. it doesn't matter. All right. It doesn't matter. Okay. I, I like mean, that. personal could be like, hey, guys, I've got my colonoscopy next week. I mean, that's, <laughs> right? That's why you're so okay. giddy. Yes. No. <laughs> Actually, I was supposed to get it like six months ago, and I've been putting it off. So. Do not do that. Oh, God, here we go. Captain, road road Cap, trip. Captain Pollop. Road trip. <laughs> We've got Captain Pollop over here. Let, us, let us help you. Yeah, right. I'm invited. That's the shit I get invited to. No yeah. pun intended. So. Moon River. <laughs> that's, that's Elton's job. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He's much better at it. No, I mean, I, I think, it. listen, it's, you know, I think the personal for me is what we deal with one as men, but just also in our roles and, and also just in life in general as individuals. The the parenting is really all about the struggles and the the, the great things that we go through as parents, right? Yep. Um and then professional is just, you know, we've all gone th- we've all gone through a lot of change and a lot of transition in the last year and a half, two years relative to our professional careers, right? And yep. certainly not in places that we thought we were going to be, but um, a lot of learning there, right? And I think there's a lot of that happening out there where guys like us don't have a place to go or a, yep. somebody to reach out to. or And right. talk about the stuff that we're, we're right. all similarly struggling with or going through or the challenges we're facing. And there were, there were two back-to-back guys our age, back-to-back suicides. Mm-hmm. And that's when I, I reached out to you that's guys. Right. To say, that's hey, right. Listen, that's right. Let's 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 make sure that we're all talking about this stuff because from the street, those guys are those guys had everything going. They had everything going. That's and, right. And there's more and more guys around <clears throat> us that we have no idea what they're going through. Yep. And uh, to know that there's someone there that you can call out and go, "Hey, I need you to have my back. I need I need to just run something by you. I need yep. another set of eyes on this. I need another brain on it. I need someone to talk me." Into it, out of it, whatever it is. Down from it. Yeah. yeah right. Yep. Well, dudes just don't talk. No. 
I was going to say, we're supposed to be strong and able to figure things out on our own. Right. Yep. And yeah, we can, but why? Right. I mean. Yep. Yep. And so I, I, for, for me, the chance to get together with you guys at least once a month, and, and it's turned into more than once a month, which has been a blast. Yep. Yeah. Um, has just brought the bond closer so that the shorthand is much faster. You can say, mm. what do you think about this? Yeah. Um, I know that we've talked to each other through different career advice, um, different, you know, opportunities or challenges and, you know, um, mm-hmm. or it's, it's heads up on really bad creative. Yeah. That's, and that's what it's about. <laughs> so it's, 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 it's nice to know that there's guys in your corner you can reach out to run an idea by mm-hmm. or ask for advice or say, tell me, tell me the three things why I should get excited about this thing. That's not exciting me. Or mm. tell me, what did you do when you were in this situation? Because um, we've all been there. Yep. All right. Well, we've come to that part of the show. Last call. Last call. Last call. All right, Alton, you're up. You got tonight's right. last call. Tonight's last call. Let's spin the wheel. Spin the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> you lose all your right. turn. What, what do we have, Derek? <laughs> uh, we landed on. All right. So tonight we have... Hotel lobby, last call. Your company CEO's there. He doesn't have his wallet, and he says, "I'll have what you're having." So, what do you go with? Do you go with the blade and bow, the special edition, foolproof 1792, or the Clyde May? That's a great scenario, Derek. That's a you great go? scenario. Um, if I want. So, uh, I'll, I'll assume that uh, the company CEO is is familiar with bourbon. So I'm, I'm I'm starting from that perspective. Okay, fair enough. Maybe there's a quick little pro- flavor profile. I think these are all in the same range in my mind. If I want a intellectual conversation with the CEO, with he or she, I'm I'm going with Blade and Bow. But if I want to be a if I want to chum along with the CEO. I'm gonna go Clyde Mays. Yeah. If I see if I see th- these three bottles on the on the shelf, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring out the Clyde Mays and and go deeper into the story, and and see if I can find out maybe what the the CEO's original path was and if they followed their passion or if it was you know just a job. I think it's a great conversation piece, and it, you know just the, the the knowledge that we brought tonight about what we learned about these three brands. Um, is enough to give you any real good conversation, yep. good conversation starters. If you want to talk about tradition or mm. symbolism for blade and bow, if you want to talk about, you know, following your passion vocation, I'm going Clyde Mays. Very good. Hmm. Kurt. I'm probably going to come at it from a different angle and I'm a little bit more cynical. No. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> so do I like the CEO? I think, I mean, that aside, I'm actually just kind of kidding on that one. Yeah, but, he um, signs your paycheck. That's right. That. Yeah. I know, no, no, no. I get that. I get that. So I th- I'm probably going to go with Blade and Bow because I think what I would try to do is, I think kind of what you were hinting on, but I would probably bring in the conversation around the five keys, right? And, and, maybe get into a conversation with that person about like, what are the five keys to success and what does success mean? 
and really try to push on them more of leaning into like the the four P's or the five P's, whatever it is we have right now. But starting off on the business side, but then really kind of transitioning that conversation over to like what what that actually really means and what are the keys to success. So I would go Blade and Bow. Partially one because it's my favorite. And, yeah. Uh, but also I just think it'd be an easy way to transition into some kind of conversation like that. So blade and bow. Good choice. B and B. I would go with oh, the same. Elton, what do you think? Oh, okay. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot your name there for a second. Yeah, me too. I'm going to call you a red microphone guy. Maybe those of you had over there. Uh, and so for me, yeah, I would uh, also go blade and bow. Similar reason, not exactly the same, but, uh, the way the story went with the, uh, they actually had the five keys physically present in the original location. Yeah. Um, interesting that that became the moniker that people pulled away from a huge company. I'm assuming it was a huge. Mm. Um, so question I would have for the CEO to kind of explore is from their perspective, what would be the, uh, the artifacts of our company? Hmm. I like it. You know, in 20 years, people look back yeah. here and said five keys were significant, maybe because it gave everybody access to the building and it wasn't mm. it wasn't hidden from our perspective on a company basis, not yeah. necessarily a personal level. What would be the, the things that they think about people recall about our company? Yeah, what's hanging on the front door? What's hanging on the front door and yeah. what people are going to talk about when you don't know they're even talking about it. Yeah. So That's plus cool. it's a it's a great pour. Great it pour. is a yeah. great pour. I, I mean, think- I, I th- listen. I, I think Blade and Bow all around for me is like. I mean, you hinted to the the brand play. Yeah. But I think there's whether it's a little gratuitous or not. I think the the whole kind of key concept and the representation of the key, the bottle having five sides, the six sides being about all the label. Um, I just think the whole package is really good. Not to mention, it tastes pretty damn good. Yeah, I totally agree. And last but not least, David. David. All right, everybody. Looks like we've hit the end of the trail. Um, enjoyed spending time with everybody here and tasting some good bourbons. And uh, we look forward to having everybody join us for the next episode. Gentlemen, bourbon on. Bourbon, bourbon on. on.